You're listening to New England Public Radio News. I'm Susan Kaplan, and this is The Shortlist, NEPR's Week in Review. Joining us today, Matt Safransky. He runs the Western Mass Politics and Insight blog. Great to have you with us again, Matt. Happy to be here. And also returning, Natalia Munoz, a public relations consultant who also writes for El Sol Latino. Welcome back, Natalia. Thanks, Susan. So we're going to just get right into it here. Um, One of the responses following last week's deadly attack on military facilities in Chattanooga that killed five, including Gunnery Sergeant Tom Sullivan from Springfield, armed volunteers are showing up outside some recruiting centers, including in Keene, New Hampshire. They say they're there to offer protection. And here's the response to that from Major Garen Garn, a spokesperson for the Marine Corps Recruiting Command. You'd be hard-pressed to find a Marine out there at a recruiting office who doesn't appreciate the warm well wishes or condolences or whatever action that, that community member is showing that's saying, hey, we support you, we're here with you. Still, Military Brass is asking for the volunteers to leave the work to local law enforcement. Matt, military recruitment officers are not allowed to be armed. Do you think that should change? Well, I think there's nothing wrong with revisiting that particular aspect of it. There's, there, it's, But it should be left up to the professionals that do these things. I'm very concerned about people just deciding to, however good their intentions, to take up the uh, protection themselves. You know, there's not a very good history of people who have armed themselves going out there and actually have, having a positive impact. I mean, I thought about this recently in Tucson. The person, there was a person who had a gun when uh, Jared Loeffner started shooting at Congresswoman Giffords, and uh, he was going to shoot the wrong person. It's a miracle that he didn't, you know, and I worry about having people who aren't trained for this making that kind of protection. Natalia, there are those who think gun control is an essential part of stopping these attacks and those who don't. But the question is, could stricter gun control actually prevent attacks like this? I think so. And I think that uh, arming near military recruitment centers is, is crazy. Uh, these military recruitment centers are in shopping malls and shopping centers is where people go to you know, buy summer squash and wash their dogs. Uh, gun control, and Obama recently expressed uh, his frustration that we have not done anything uh, after all these massacres. Uh, then we are the ones who have put up our hands and have given up. We have to make it very difficult for somebody to get a weapon. I understand that if you're going to buy a gun, a rifle, or a machine gun, you want to kill something. Now, whether it's going to be in self-defense or it's because you're going to you know, get a turkey or a deer, that's, that's a separate issue. But there has to be a process for you to get a gun that goes beyond giving your name, your birth date, and a couple of uh, references. We're going to turn now to the way communities try to mediate what happens in their own neighborhoods. MGM's casino led to the displacement of the Western Mass Correctional Alcohol Center. That's a substance abuse program for inmates. It's now temporarily in Holyoke, and Hamden County Sheriff Michael Ash wants it in Springfield's North End. Mayor Dominic Sarno agrees with Ash, but some North End residents are objecting. Uh, Not in my backyard, they're saying. Matt, who's right here? Well, this is a really tough one because, you know, I live in Springfield and I'm certainly sensitive to the notion that the city ends up being the dumping ground for a lot of services, however important and certainly many of which many people in this city support. At the same time, in this particular circumstance, I have heard, though not confirmed, that this that there have been additional services added to the Western Mass Alcohol Treatment Center that were not in the South End. So it may not be exactly the same thing that was 
in uh, on Howard Street uh, a few months ago. Natalia, this is a neighborhood, the North End, with a lot of drug violence and gang problems. Absolutely. Residents see progress there and don't want to disrupt it. Can you understand their point of view? Yes, I, I, I do. And I think that a, naturally a Mayor Sarno agrees with Michael Ash of the annual clam bake a picnic. I think most politicians do from, from time immemorial. He is the, the, the guy whose ring you have to kiss when you want to do anything politically. But the North End residents don't have to kiss that ring. And that's what they're expressing. They're saying no, just because you are deemed progressive and cool doesn't mean we think you're progressive and cool. They remember that Sheriff Ash is the same one who had a lawsuit against him for having male corrections officers film female prisoners and during strip searches. So now switching gears again, a lot of the problems that we talk about every week boil down to good-paying jobs and who can get them. And a Massachusetts bill aims to mandate specific ways to promote pay equity for women and people of color. For example, it would require businesses to advertise hourly rates on job postings. Natalia, are mandates on businesses like this really the way to address the issue? Yes, because actually fast food joints or big box stores People are pretty much earning the same amount of money regardless of their gender, their race, uh, their faith. But in white-collar jobs, and this is what this bill is trying to get at, uh, women are paid way under what men are paid under for similar or same jobs. And the, and the, as you mentioned just a, bit, just a moment ago, women of color uh, get paid. I think that we would have to work about five months extra a year to match what a man gets paid for the same, what a white man gets paid for the same job. So yes, it has to start in the business sector. Matt, another part of this gives employees, employees, the right to openly talk to each other about how much they make as a way of, uh, I guess, increasing transparency. But even without this law, doesn't that happen anyway? Well, it does happen anyway. And to a certain extent, um, and I don't claim to be an expert on this, it is permissible under federal national labor relations laws. However, um, I'm in favor of as much communication as possible in the workplace. People, you know, the ability to feel safe and to understand and to express your rights in the workplace, I think, is a human right. And anything that adds to that and increases people's ability to do it is only a positive. But what about from the <clears throat> business's point of view? What what might this do, Natalia, to their bottom line? And, and do we have a responsibility to be concerned about the money? Well, I think every business's bottom line has to be fairness. Especially small businesses. Especially small businesses. I'm talking from the mom and pop store to Time Warner. It has to be fairness. A woman should not be paid less than a man for doing the same work. Natalia Munez, a public relations consultant who also writes for El So Latino, and Matt Safransky edits the Western Mass Politics and Insight blog. Thanks to both of you. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening to The Shortlist, NEPR's Week in Review. This is New England Public Radio. I'm Susan Kaplan.